0: We'll Hey everybody, I'm Eureka John, and you're at Eureka Street Crypto Podcast. This is episode number 492. Yep, and if you're listening, that's on YouTube. And if you're listening on all the audio platforms, you know Spotify, Google, you know, whatever you you happen to listen to your podcast on, then this would be episode, I believe, 164. Don't don't mark me down for that. But uh, anyway, welcome to my show. Um, this is my Brain dump where I talk about things that I learn and I need to just dump it out somewhere. This is my sandbox to mess around with audiovisual techniques and all types of other stuff, and this is my message in a bottle to reach out to other people in the crypto and web space, and also to just reach out to people in general who may be curious about what I am doing. So yeah, hey, how you doing? Hi mom, hi dad. Anyway, um, so yeah, um, today I don't I don't normally have guests. It's been a while, uh, just because guests are sometimes kind of difficult to coordinate with and i'm not the most organized person (laughs) um but uh but i did manage to get quickly coordinated with a guest, and I spoke to him this morning. His name is Joshua Shigala, an amazing guest. We had an amazing conversation. It went on like an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. This is a perfect episode for the new person in the space who wants to know a little bit about the history of Bitcoin, wants to know about the history uh, of and just the inner workings of what stable coins are and about DeFi protocols and stuff like that. This is a great episode for that. He really, really breaks it down. Um, in simple terms. And, yeah, so if you're new to the space, this is the episode for you. Um, just sit down and buckle up. It's gonna be in for the long haul, but I think it's worth it. I think the time will go by before you need. So uh, without further ado, here you go. I'm Eureka John, and today is a special day. Um, I haven't had a guest in a while. Um, guests require work and crowling and all that other stuff. and, you know just with all the work in the DAOs and all the work on the other podcasts, and just my day job at the Hose Factory, not a lot of time, but uh, my guest here today made it really easy. And I was super stoked when I first learned about him. And uh, I, I see what he does. Um, he's been around for a long time in the crypto and Bitcoin space, a heavy hitter. Um, he's you know, started the, the exchange Voltoro uh back in 2015. This was right around the Mt. Gox days, if you're familiar with that. And he's been through a couple bull runs. He seems super experienced. And uh, yeah, man, I'm really glad to have you on my little old show here. And uh, Now you're um, about to start a new project called the standard.io. Um, welcome, Joshua. Uh, welcome to this show. And if I missed anything, please feel free to add.
1: Hey, man, thanks. Uh, thanks, John. Yeah, Eureka! Uh, <laughs> it's uh it's that that was the feeling that i that i saw when when we first sort of uh when when the white paper first came across my table as well not as in like we've struck gold like this is Uh gonna make us rich because back then it was you couldn't really do anything with bitcoin Mm -hmm. Uh, this was back in 2010 when i first saw about it 2010
0: wow okay yeah
1: (laughs) yeah it was late 2010 like around about november uh at that stage and and i i remember looking at it it was just below a dollar and i remember thinking uh wow they've solved the double spend problem because i was actually trying to uh look at this problem already before in in about 2005 and um because i I was running the world's first swap site where people could swap clothes rather than buying and selling oh cool yeah and I mean, the, the interesting thing here is it, it, that came out of the entire sort of central banking deep dive after 9-11, because when when September 11th happened over in the States, that of course led me to, uh, to sort of try to understand what went on there more than the mainstream media was just saying, you know, they were just saying a man in a cave sent a bunch of freaks over to, to do it and 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 then of course if you right. dive down the conspiratorial side you get a whole different story and then you, you deep dive that and you, you can't take everything you have to take everything with a bit, bit of a grain of salt but through that process uh, it really started I started heading down the path of like what is money why because yeah. money, like everyone says, follow the money. Whenever there's a crime, yeah. follow the money, and you'll find usually the reason why there is, you know. Uh, yeah. Of course, 9-11 had some religious stuff, plus some payback from, uh, you know, blowback from the old, like, days days. I Russia was there.
0: I was in New York City that day and I saw the towers fall. So oh, I saw wow. what I saw and then I saw the news and they didn't add up, you know. So that's the beginning yeah. of me really questioning the establishment. So you were questioning money for the first time at that point?
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it, yeah, exactly. I was questioning money. What is it? Where does it come from? It, you know, most people, when you ask that question, it's like, well, it comes from my boss. And you're like, okay, okay. Well, where do they get it from? Well, they get it from, you know, uh, yeah. money coming in. And you're like, okay, yeah, but what happens? You know, how does it originally, how do we get this into this society? And where does it, how, how's it built? And of course, mm. you, you then start to read stuff about the gold standard. And, and back in the 40s, it was very normal to sit around the, the table, the dinner table, and talk about you know, the gold standard. Should we go off the gold standard? What is it? Um, Whereas, whereas, you know, our generations really didn't bother thinking about any of this stuff. We were just like, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. And I think this was the beautiful thing about Satoshi's white paper is that it um, it allowed people, it, it allowed this renaissance in understanding of what money is at its core, that you can have, you know, people say, the root of all evil is money, but actually the root of all evil is the creation of money. How is it created? Is it created from debt or is it created from someone finding stuff? And I think we can maybe sort of define that.
0: Okay. So, yeah, you started saying around 9-11, like, let's follow the money. Like, let's, let's figure yeah. this out because things are not as they appear. And it brought yeah. you to a point of redefining and having a renaissance and it kind of created this overall questioning in society that was spawning this new form of digital currency saying, Hey, we can't just create money out of thin air. It has to be backed by something. And uh, right now people are just double spending um, uh, digital cash. Banks are just issuing it. How can we have something, as we all move more digital from the physical, how can we have something that is backed and reliable and that birthed Bitcoin? And you were already thinking about that back then. Yeah, (laughs) weirdly
1: enough enough I was because I was running this this site where people could swap clothes. And other things, you know, like I've got, I don't know, uh, something here and something. And what I found very, very quickly was... Deal. It was swapping is a terrible way of doing business because uh, you know. I, hey John, I really love that T-shirt of yours. Have yeah. a look at all my things I've listed on Swapstyle, and and you go, I don't like anything that you have. Yeah. But I do like all of this other stuff in this marketplace. So uh, imagine this deal falling through because you don't like something I have. The yeah. falls through. That's unfortunate, right? So yeah. obviously what we need is me to go, well, okay, what if I give you a, um, you know, token or a credit, as I was calling it back then, somewhere, yeah. and you could use that credit somewhere else in the market. Now, of course, now we've come back with, back full circle to money. How many credits do I create as the centralized unit of this, this marketplace? Uh, they become sort of poker chips, if you may, mm-hmm. and then, I need to, like, have a full understanding of uh, central banking to, like, how many do I issue, how many do I, is it even legal? Yeah. So, so so, I started deep diving. Then I, I thought, other people must have this issue. And, and then I started looking for some sort of solution where I wouldn't need to be the issuer of a credit, but people could create credits themselves, depend... I don't know, it was sort of a vague idea in my mind that I didn't quite understand what I was looking for. But somehow I ended up looking through the the Cypherpunks mailing list Mm -hmm. um, and, and seeing some of the chatter that they were doing trying to solve this particular problem, which was very esoteric because even they didn't know at the time like how it would work. They just knew we want something digital that can't be copied. Yeah, and we want to use com- we want to use cryptographic proofs for that. We want to use complex maths. I didn't say complex. We want to use mathematics to yeah. to basically allow for that. And and the more I read, the more I realized it was an unsolvable problem. You know, I put that in brackets.
0: Yeah,
1: because obviously Satoshi solved that problem, and but I I at the time I. And this was around 2005, I thought, no, it's an unsolvable problem. I'll just let it go and keep on allowing people to swap just like this. But then I started doing like ring swaps and where people could, mm-hmm. you know, have multiple people in the swap and it just got more complex like that. But I did keep, I keep, I kept my eye open for solutions that were coming out of that space. Yeah. Um, is that right um, about then yeah. is the
0: beginning of like PayPal, right? And eBay and people were exchanging that way through that centralized entity.
1: Yeah, actually okay. that's how I came up with swap style because it was that's what my wife was doing at the time. She was studying fashion design or something like that. <laughs> and uh, and she couldn't afford these these more expensive items that were allowing her to inspire and study how they work. So she would, you know, have a few expensive items, few designer pieces and then swap those with other people that had designer pieces on eBay, but that was really like, hey, do you want to take that down? And we just do a swap and like, no. And then there was like someone just stole something. And so rather than that, we just built swap site. Anyway, there's a long story, but the fact is we, we the, the whole money side of it is really important because money, if it's created by debt, meaning a, a government can just create money out of nowhere and uh, as much as they want and And usually, not not many people know this, but new money coming into the system is always created through debt. What does that mean? That means it's usually through corporate debt. So corporations borrow from banks and that's their new money. Or um, the big one is mortgages. So when someone gets a mortgage, it's not like the bank takes that money from from someone that's saving and then gives it to you many people think that's what happens but what happens actually is they create new money out of nowhere and lend it to you with interest that doesn't exist in the system okay and so so fundamentally there's a there's a perversion there in 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 the logic because imagine imagine if you have an island right and uh, in, you're on this island, John, I'm on this island, and um, and maybe, uh, you know, Peter is on the island as well. And we're, and we're there and we've, we just do swapping. We, we're we like, oh, you've got a coconut, I've got a chicken that lays an egg once a day, and, uh, you know, we just do swapping. And then one day, Peter wakes up and says, hey, I've had a brand new idea. Like, okay, great, What what is this? Money. <laughs> We're going to create money. We like, okay, explain. And the Peter explains it. And we think, okay, great. And and then and then John, you say, okay, well, let's go. Let's do it. Where do I get this first dollar from? And uh, and Peter says, Well, you you borrow it from me. He's like, okay, let's do it. I'll borrow one. And you and Peter goes, Okay, but you now owe me two back. Mm. And you're like huh but I, there is only one i've borrowed it that's the only one dollar on the island like how am i meant to owe you two and so so, so then beta says well josh also needs to borrow one now there's two on the island right? so, so i i go oh, okay cool mm-hmm. i borrow one and then we we do a trade you know I, I i buy the thing that you've got and you've now got my dollar now you've got two dollars All right. So now you go, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay back my loan. No, to Peter. So you've paid back your loan. All of a sudden, there's zero on the island because mm. now you've paid off everything. Mm. But I'm I owe one, but there's <laughs> none on the island. Right? And and if you scale up, if you scale up this problem, where there's more owed to the central bank than there is currency in circulation. If you zoom right out, you get like Greece or, you know, these financial uh, problems where these massive countries go broke because there's, there's way too much debt than liquidity. And, and mm. so, so these are the fundamental issues around money and, and actually how controls happen. Um, mm. and, fun, and really, if you think about it, 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 it's just sort of weird to have a system where there's, there's more owed back then there is circulating because it means there's constantly struggle. There's always an underclass of people that there's there's not enough. <laughs> that's not yeah. enough.
0: Yeah, you, so- you need
1: scarcity. You need scarcity. So you need to have not enough, but you don't need to have it at the fundamental ground level.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's completely unsustainable. You know, what does this mean for the average person just taking home their paycheck and they just want to pay their rent?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, it there's there's lots of knock-on effects from this whole system and if we compare that to something like the gold standard Mm -hmm. um the gold standard is effectively the government saying we've got um we've got a whole bunch of gold here and we're going to issue issue paper receipts Mm. and actually let's let's step back a bit there just just so that people understand where the what, why gold is money. So where did paper money come from? paper money arg- arguably but it, it, in, in some in some scenario, most scenarios it came from this. people would bring their silver bar silver because silver was uh, more the currency of the people. gold was usually for nobles.
0: okay So okay.
1: silver would be used by people um, in the marketplaces. It was very heavy, um, cumbersome to carry around. Um, so, what they would do, they would go to a, like a, 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 a vaulting facility, you know, like the Rothschilds vaulting facilities and stuff like this, and they would deliver this silver and they would get a receipt. Okay, you've put in, you know, a kilo of silver, here's a kilo of receipt, and here you go. And so, rather than going back to the uh, voting facility and getting out some silver before you head to the markets, like an ATM, rather than doing that, you just go to the markets with this receipt and say, Hey, um, can I have the watermelon? You just take this receipt back to, you know, Rothschild's folding and they'll give you some silver. Oh, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Oh, yeah. all right. So, so people started trading these receipts. And we see the same thing actually in, in Africa when they started trading um, uh, because they don't have a, Big banking uh, infrastructure in like Nigeria and such, so they were using SMS credits. Mm. Um, so rather than uh, bothering with money, they were just like, "Oh, can I have that watermelon? Yeah, here's uh, two dollars of SMS credits, and and then that became like the biggest part of the economy. Different story, mm. but but if you if you if you look at that scenario with the with the silver in the in the vaulting facilities, what happened was after a while, the vaulting facility was like, hmm. Not everybody's going to come back at once and claim the silver, right? Yeah. So, what if we just start lending people silver receipts mm. and asking for interest? So, so like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. So, someone would come along and say, "Hey, can I, have, um, you know, some some money?" And they they would write a receipt, and um, and they wouldn't even need the silver in there because mm. not not that many and people would pay back and they would have this interest and um and they got so the, these voting facilities and bankers got so rich off of this that they would have estates larger than kings and queens and when people walk past and say oh that must be a banker because no king or queen could afford an estate like that <laughs> it, it, it became ridiculous until you know something of like the french revolution where they started cutting off people's heads because everything fell fell down and uh, and the system collapsed and and then the bankers were like okay can we stop cutting off heads for a second just for a second this is how the scam works no they didn't this is how the system works yeah <laughs> um, we uh what about you let us continue doing the system and we give you a cut and we'll call it interest mm. so we can continue lending our at a fractional of our reserve. So we don't need all the silver there. We can have a fraction of the silver there. Keep lending out stuff, and we'll give you a cut. If you've got a deposit in there, we'll give you a cut of the interest that we get. So you also get rich, and everyone was like, Yes, good. right. Uh, let's do that. <laughs>
0: that's the beginning oh, of a right. savings account.
1: <laughs> right. That's yeah. the, that's the modern okay. day interest savings account.
0: Yeah. All right, and, and, and now I
1: mean, we're to the point where there's just no reserve at all. Yeah, in most I, countries,
0: they they don't have to prove anything at all. So, um, if there's ever any type of run on the banks, like you saw in Greece, <laughs> then uh, the whole system collapses and the house of cards falls. And uh, yeah, you know, and that creates inflation too, doesn't it? I mean, they they keep printing, and then the prices go up, and then it becomes uncontrollable. Hyperinflation happens, and uh, that's how it affects the average person trying to pay their rent with their paycheck right
1: well that's right. The interesting thing with the EU is that that Greece because Greece doesn't have their own central bank, they have to rely on the European central bank. Um, they couldn't just print money out of nowhere, huh so okay. they had to like beg the European Central Bank to please lend them money and you know the crazy thing here john is that the European Central Bank demanded real assets like acropolis's islands mm-hmm. you know things mm. you know that have actual value mm-hmm. for lending them a few billion euros that they would
0: print and out money <laughs> Oh, man. So the, the, yeah, that's the jig right there, you know, and then they, they seize their assets and then Greece is no longer a self-sovereign country. They're owned by everybody yeah. else. Yeah. OK. I, I, I think it's a little more clear now as to why Bitcoin is needed then. So these countries and these people can get around that type of scam system thing, you know, that they had going there. And that allows the peer-to-peer, person-to-person type of transfer of money in a digital manner as well. But it's something that is that takes work to make, proof of work, and it is something that is completely uh, backable. And that's backed. It can back something else, right? Yeah. And so, okay, yeah. all right.
1: It's, it's okay, a rare so, number. Bitcoin is a rare number, just like gold is a rare metal.
0: A rare number. Okay. <laughs> I've never thought about that concept before. Okay. <laughs>
1: Right. It's, yeah. Uh, there's 21 million of them. There's never going to be any more. There's probably that. There, well, there is factually way less than 21 million because of the amount of lost keys yeah. uh-huh.
0: that can never be
1: refound. And, yeah. And so these rare numbers, uh, and this is what a lot of gold bugs don't get, and why there's so much like, toing and froing between, uh, and 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 you know, um turd slinging between the, yeah, gold, the see, gold bugs I and the crypto bugs, bugs, which is really unfortunate because I'm both. I love gold and I love That's gold. what I was about
0: to say. You're straddling both worlds there, you know? Yeah. So.
1: Always have. I always have. And and the, the reason is, you know, people say well, gold. Why, why gold? I'm like well, why cinemas? you got a 4K TV at home. Why cinema? Yeah. You know, they have yeah. different purposes.
0: I collect records and I still have MP3s on my phone, so.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there's a certain thing about it. And, and um, yeah, what, what we really want to get to is to realise that the real enemy is fractional reserve banking by a central authority that can basically steal the savings of your life. Mm. And the toilings and the, the, the amount of work you put in through your entire life to then be stolen from you um, by, the, by the stroke of a pen or a click of a computer at some central bank is, is unfortunate and, we, and you know the funny thing is gold bugs have been saying this for years and yes. right now we're seeing it people are actually living it
0: mm-hmm. they're
1: like man i had i had savings my grandma had savings yeah in a bank and she had enough to live her days through and now there's no way she can she mm-hmm. has to really ratchet down her spending and this is unfortunate because the young the young doesn't really inf- affect uh, inflation. Doesn't affect the young because the young can re-earn at a new uh, an, a new measurement, right? They can go out there and earn at the new measurement. But old people, they've retired. They don't have enough time yeah. to go and re-earn the new valued currency.
0: Yeah, the pensions are drying up. I mean, my father-in-law, he's you know ex-fireman, and uh, he's seen as a pension being inflated away right as we speak. You know. So, <laughs> pensions, um,
1: pensions are a whole another scam, you know. Yeah, <laughs> because because pensions are effectively a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, and you need new workforce coming in, so you need the the society to grow. And most Western, you know, people talk about population population problems, but actually, in Western worlds, most Western countries that are like below two. Uh, Kids per family, and, mm. and if it's below two, it means the population's declining because you need at least two kids for every couple. Mm. And and um, and some places, it's like uh, you know, China's in real problems. China's population is going to absolutely be decimated because um, they had this one-child policy for years. Mm-hmm. And it's caused real problems and and, you you can put your tinfoil hat on and think oh maybe that's why covid was affecting all the elderly Mm -hmm. so they can get them out because the pension schemes are going to cost them so what do you need for pension schemes to work you need a new workforce coming in Mm -hmm. to to work with the newly valued money to put them into pension funds for people that are retiring now Um just like in a Ponzi scheme, you try to get new investors in to pay the ones that are waiting for a payout right now. And yeah. everybody knows that I, the reason why Ponzi schemes are illegal is because they fail. they crash, they cr- they absolutely get decimated. and um and it's usually the ones that are already in. And in the case of uh, uh, of pension schemes, it's the elderly that are already in the scheme. Mm which is really unfortunate. Insurance companies uh, are a much better way of dealing with that. But the best way, the absolute best way to have a secure system for the elderly uh, and for your retirement scheme is to take absolute control of your savings and Mm -hmm. save in rare assets. Do not save in a currency that is being inflated away. And don't uh, and don't trust the pension schemes. Put money aside yourself. That's the only way to go.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, you started Voltoro in 2015. Um, a lot of people say, well, with Bitcoin, you know, we've seen exchanges just crash and just you know get hacked, and you know, like Mt. Gox, for instance. And we've seen this yeah. over and over: constant hacking of exchanges and crypto is so volatile and so unsafe. And all it takes is somebody who knows something about a computer to go in and just steal your money. You know, so yep. how is how has Voltoro um, managed to to get get around that and and get away from that type of um, circumstance?
1: Yeah, so the the whole when when Mount Gox collapsed, this was the very first Bitcoin exchange, and um, when it collapsed, the reason why it collapsed so badly was that there was no transparency. Um, I don't think the CEO even knew for ages that they had been hacked, huh. and so and then when he found out there was a, and he didn't know the extent of it because it's so complex, it was so complex. So when he found out there was some you know uh, the 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 numbers aren't matching up. There's a little bit of a minus here. We might need to like figure out how to shuffle things about. It spiraled out of control so badly over over the next months that then it became worse and worse and worse and, and worse and, comp- and compiled on top of each other. So what I thought would, would have really worked a lot better would be to have a, a real-time auditing system. So my brother and I sat down and we developed what was called the Glassbooks Protocol. And the Glassbooks Protocol was a a way of the, the ex, any exchange being able to always show how above reserve they are in a in a grandma friendly i like to say crack smoking grandma friendly <laughs> way because you really want like the easiest possible thing to understand and like in real
0: time like, auditing like what's that like real time auditing like you yeah. can go in there and wow okay
1: yeah, yeah, because, you know, um, initially when Mt. Cox happened, my brother and I sat down we said, we need decentralized exchanges. We, we yeah. can't do – this is just – because this was after a string of different ha- wallet hacks and stuff that was yeah. happening in the industry. industry was super small back then. Um, but it was like, man, you guys, these all these hacks are raining on a parade. so fantastic that, uh, that it really is awful because, um, you know, people – there's headlines like um, – CEO of Mount Gox uh, CEO of Bitcoin, they would say because they didn't understand even the concept yeah, of yeah. <laughs> runs off with everyone's money. anyway, um so so really how how the how the tra- the transparency protocol works was very simple. It was it was that the exchange uh, would issue a secret code to you as a customer that only you and the exchange knew, okay. and then, Uh, You could log out of the exchange, so the exchange didn't know that you're checking, or when you're checking. And it would list every single code, and how much that code has in Bitcoin, um, as well as, uh, in our case, gold, because we Mm -hmm. were trading between gold, and I'll tell you why later. And then people could effectively go without us knowing that they're checking, see everyone's holdings and then we publish the the public key where our cold wallets were so they could see okay everybody's holdings is at least equal to or less than Mm. the amount in the cold storage so it's a a very simple mechanism to understand and and we couldn't fiddle the numbers because if we fiddled with anybody's numbers then it wouldn't match up and Anyone could check at any time and raise a red flag and say, "Hey, my number's wrong here." So um so we so it effectively sort of shared the the process of anybody being able to hold up a flag
0: hey you um, know so, don't underestimate the ability of a grandma to be able to balance some books i've seen some mom and pop operations with some serious grandma power behind those books you know right <laughs>
1: yeah. right absolutely it's usually the grandma in the back end with the facts sticking yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um,
1: so yeah it's uh it's it, it's uh really uh it, it's in, transparency is important but now we, uh, in, in 2019, I, I flew over to, to Labitconf, which is the Latin American Bitcoin conference. Um, that was in Uruguay at the time. I think it was Uruguay. And, um, and on the way there, I read the white paper for Terra Luna. This was in 2019. Mm-hmm. And Terra Luna was just the next algorithmic stablecoin. There'd been a slew of them before. Oh
0: man, I've lost money on like Ohm on Klima, abracadabra, magic internet money, the wonderland.money time, <laughs> refi, frax, like you name it. Like I, wow. I've been through all See? those. I'm just like <laughs> just watching them oh, rise and I mean, fall. You know, so yeah. yeah. Right. So when I hear so- the word new stablecoin, I'm just like <laughs> oh man. So we'll uh, get to standard.ro in a second but you know I want to I want to hear the background to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really sorry to hear that John that's awful. And and yeah, you're right like bitshares all of these failed because there's basically when I when I got off the plane I thought here is another one. It's an out pure algorithmic stablecoin. What does that mean? Instead of having gold or bitcoin or ethereum backing like these rare assets, these rare assets that that they can't print what they would try just for your audience cuz i know you know this john but mm-hmm. what they what these algorithmic stablecoins would do they would basically print their own governance tokens to back the stablecoin so if 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 a one i don't know coin x which is meant to like be pegged to the dollar if it drops below a dollar it would print more of its own uh membership uh, governance token to equal that $1. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it collapses they just print more and more and say look it's the same amount of value back you know? <laughs> but really what happened with luna and 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 i knew it would collapse i of course these things don't collapse in a
0: bull market well they were buying bitcoin to try to back it up too so in you know, the, the end that, that was their claim right the the stability right look if they had started
1: to buy Bitcoin right at the start, they they could have saved it. But then we're just oh. back at another bank. Then we're just back at the same issue as um, as as the Rothschilds voting facility. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I'm not picking on Rothschilds. Uh, just any voting facility. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, but um, uh, it, it's it's the thing is if you allow a central party to hold oh all the value that's backing it, you open up the system to systemic corruption. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: The whole point of Bitcoin was to start to decentralize authority and control over the money supply so that we could have a, not only when we say a separation of money and state, just like we had a separation of of religion and state, church and state, we have a we have a separation of governance state now government what does that mean it means a centralized it's a cabal it's a bunch of people now you could have one company at least the good thing with the company is it has to compete with a whole bunch of other companies so it's mm-hmm. it's better than a one government but it's still giving control to like i don't know JP Morgan Chase or Tether or you know one central authority not to become Absolutely corrupt. Mm. So, how do we do that? And this is why I started the standard IO because I wanted to build a truly decentralized stablecoin protocol that was fully backed, overly backed by collateral that was held in the private keys of the individuals. Mm. So, you don't get something like Celsius, where you've got these degenerate gamblers crossed with Wall Street nightmare, um, you know, just just screwing it all up. Rather, you have a system where anybody can lock up assets, and and, and we'll go into the details of that mm-hmm. uh, if you want. But that, that, the whole point is to get away from central authority holding vast amounts of value um, to, to back a currency. It's, it's not the way to go. It can't be the way of the future.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're speaking my language. I mean, I'm con- as many times as I've lost money on in this crypto space, and I've probably lost more money than I've actually, you know, put into it. I still have faith in all this stuff because I have faith in decentralization, and I know the power of financial autonomy and the, the need to break away from this current credit system that's just like being held over our heads as leverage for for us to even have any type of opportunity. So technology is hard um whenever you first want to decentralize it takes a good understanding of technology when the when the internet first came out it was decentralized but it had a huge technological learning curve and what happened is these centralized entities like Facebook and you know MySpace and you know, PayPal, all that stuff came in, and they said, "Well, we understand you're using this technology and it's decentralized, but let's make it easy for you." You know, so that enabled yeah. the masses to come in because really, at the beginning, it's only a fringe minority of people, just like when Bitcoin first happened, to actually be able to use it. Then yeah. suddenly you have these entities like Celsius come in. I used Celsius. I got my car payment done with Celsius, but I backed out, I got out of it like two weeks before it all crashed. Cause um, I just I got like a bad feeling about it, man. <laughs> so nice. but um, you know, so there is like some positivity to some centralized entities to be able to allow the masses to understand some of this new technology that's coming about to help decentralize. But if that pendulum does not swing back towards decentralization, then you have over-centralized control resulting in oppression, right?
1: It, it does. And uh, and even if it's not straight away, even if you have, um, uh, uh, you know, a malevolent dictator or benevolent dictator, it it it's still the threat of the next dictator being bad. And when yeah. I say dictator, I mean the person in charge. And so mm-hmm. this this goes for like even like Twitter uh, and and Elon Musk. You know, so a lot of people are like rejoicing that Elon Musk is there now to save the day, and he's going to allow all these people to have free speech uh, on the more conservative side. So yay. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, it's a centralized system. And centralized systems will get all sorts of pressure from all sorts of lobbies, and and they have to comply. So um, you know, it, all of a sudden they'll have you know uh, awful images of child exploitation. Of course, shut it down. Okay, good done. And then then you get Hollywood saying, hey, there's memes with uh, with our pictures and they're controlled. You have to shut them, okay, shut it down. Oh, by the way, there's, uh, there was someone shot and there was all these hate groups and now marketers are leaving, shut it down. The thing is, it, it, it's very hard because you have the ability to shut it down. You're compelled to shut it down. And so it's always a creep down towards the worst. Or what happens is that you have this bastion of free speech, the bastion of, when I say free speech, it could be money, it could be anything, Um, you you get to the point where if you centrally control it, it's just a matter of time between you controlling or a good person and a bad person. That's why a lot of people maybe uh, will will be absolutely uh, happy about some, you know, because there's some really great dictator in charge or a really great leader in charge, and some law gets passed that's like, Absolutely atrocious because it spies on everyone, but there was terrorism, so we have to. And there's a yeah. very good leader, so they'll never abuse that power. It's great. Then all of a sudden, that person's up for a re-election, and some total nightmare gets in who's a full-on like megalomaniac and uh you know comes in with power and, and wants to control everything. So it's really important that these centralized systems don't exist and we start to show the, the the virtues of having decentralized systems and, and figuring, figuring things out there.
0: Yeah, with centralized systems, all these whataboutisms start happening, all these extenuating circumstances start to pile up to the point where it becomes the weight of those extenuating circumstances start to, to press down on people. And it's really only the innovative people on the fringe that are able to kind of skirt out of that, out from underneath and create a new system but then again, it's hard to understand and it takes some personal responsibility and some accountability to be able to to learn how to, to keep to, to keep your keys, your private keys, you know, to keep your seed yeah. Right. It takes a, 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 with autonomy and financial autonomy takes responsibility Yeah, it with does. decentralization. It takes responsibility. And I cannot say that enough. Um, I want to get back to the standard here now. Yeah. Um, so. Standard is decentralized, um, asset-backed, concrete asset-backed with a synergy going with Voltoro, a gold Bitcoin exchange that stores your gold and stores your Bitcoin. It has absolute transparency. And then the standard uses that in a synergistic way to back a lot of the stablecoin. Am I correct in that? And it's also decentralized that it's run by a DAO. So there's no one person at the helm of the standard, right?
1: Yeah, almost, almost okay, there. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> it, it's, let, let's start from the start. When um, the very first idea was okay, and it's an idea that's that's pretty much common in DeFi. It's why trust Celsius? Why trust yeah. a third party to put give them money and allow you to borrow against that collateral, right? So let's say you put you need to buy a car, car's five grand, you put in ten grand and you can borrow half of that. So now you haven't had to sell your crypto because it's a, it's going up in value. So you don't want to sell it, plus you don't want to get hit with capital gains tax. Mm-hmm. So rather than selling it, you borrow against it.
0: Yeah, yeah. For my Subaru out in the driveway, I managed to borrow against some Bitcoin I had. I got the cash I needed to lower my to put down a good down payment and lower my payment to where I needed it to be every month. And then I paid back to get my Bitcoin back. And it was all well and good. My Bitcoin raised in value and I never lost it. Right. So
1: fantastic. Fantastic. Wonderful. And and it's the it's a really great system. But imagine if we could do that without a central party. Imagine if you could borrow money from yourself rather than going to a bank like Celsius effectively is. So how would that work? It would mean that there's a smart contract. And for those that don't know, a smart contract is nothing less than a computer program, but it's a computer program that runs on many, many machines. And at least half of those machines need to have the same output, need to have the same uh, answer to any query for that to be true. Why is that important? Because it means that if you run a money thing on one computer, that computer could have a virus and it could be hacked. Mm-hmm. If you can run the same program on thousands of computers um, and you're dealing with money, then if if half of those, if, if 51% of those computers come out with one answer, you have to you can trust, okay, that's truth. Mm-hmm. And so so what you do is you send money, you send Bitcoin into a smart contract. Or Ethereum, and uh, and you lock that up. You, let's say you put a thousand thousand dollars in that, and you can and you can say, okay, that's very volatile, but I'm gonna gonna borrow up to half of it, so I don't care if it's volatile up in the upper regions. I'm just gonna borrow five hundred. I've put a thousand. I'm gonna borrow five hundred, and that borrow is minted. It's new, fresh money being minted. It's new tokens being minted, and um, and so this was the the basis of the standard, and it's actually very similar to MakerDAO. That's mm-hmm. Maker was the very first that that initiated this concept, and it's brilliant. It's really really brilliant. The thing with Maker is it was very it was the very first, and there's a lot of problems with it. And we want to build the next generation version of that.
0: Okay. Um,
1: so. And and in fact, I bought my car, just similar to you, I bought my car with with a Maker Vault. So I put in a whole bunch of ETH and I borrowed against that Mm -hmm. and I bought my car and then the ETH went up and I paid it off and I pretty much got my car for like, you know, really, really cheap. Because That's such a good feeling.
0: (laughs) You didn't lose any of your ETH,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was capital gains tax free because I didn't... Yeah, I, like, I didn't sell anything; I borrowed uh-huh. it. So, um, yeah. So, I, I wanted to figure out, okay, how, how do we do this? Because Maker uses a very similar thing to central banks to to be able to stabilize their stablecoin. They use uh, what's called a stability fee, or in actual fact, it's an interest rate. Mm. So, I, for those that don't know how that works. Let's say the, sta- the, the stable coin in DAI is uh, the stable coin in Maker is called DAI, D A I. Terrible name, but it is what <laughs> it is. So one DAI is equal to one dollar. Now, what happens if, because DAI is just a token, it's just a cryptographic token. What happens if that falls below a dollar? Well, what happens is that the system because all of the, that DAI came from people locking up assets and borrowing new DAI into the system. Mm. So they're borrowing and sitting there, they borrowed at 0.5% interest, and they're, they're happy with that. Mm-hmm. Now, if DAI falls below a dollar, what happens is the whole system ratches us up um, the, the interest rate. So now all of a sudden it's 3%, and people are mm. like, ooh, I borrowed at 0. 0.5, now I'm paying three, I might pay off my debt. So what they do is they go on secondary markets, they buy up DAI to pay off the debt. That, that buying pressure, that demand, you know, supply demand, the more demand, the more prices go up. So this demand um, drives the price back up to a dollar. Now, if it overshoots, if start, DAI starts being so demanding, everyone's wanting DAI to pay off the debts because this is crazy, I'm not paying 5%, um, then what the system does is lower interest rates and, and then more people want to borrow, like, oh, wow, that's a good deal. I'm going to borrow. They borrow, they flood the secondary markets with this new borrowed money and prices come down again because too much supply means cheaper, means prices go down. So this is why it's called a soft peg. It's kind of, it's not really pegged. It's kind of always up and down between that. It's It's been very, very stable. In fact, it's, it's been one of the best systems. but. When I looked I I just don't like the thought of interest being at the base level of money.
0: Mm.
1: I I don't like that the thought of it. And you know, a lot of Christians, a lot of Muslims, a lot of religions, they don't really like this, the concept of usury. Now, I personally don't have a problem with interest at the person to person level. Like if I, John, if I lend you a thousand bucks, I don't see anything morally wrong with me charging you interest on that because I have opportunity costs. While that money is not in my control, I can't build things, I can't employ people for that. So there's an opportunity cost that has interest. But at the base level of money, if I'm a central bank printing money out of nowhere and asking for for interest that doesn't exist in the system, like the island I talked about in the beginning, Mm -hmm then it, it's, it's just a corrupt mechanism. When I say corrupt, I mean it's just malincentivized. It's it's just yeah. mathematically and logically perverse. Mm-hmm. So we need to have a system that doesn't incorporate that. So the standard focused on a new way of pegging the, the stable coins. And the other thing I wanted to do is get away from a dollar homogeny. So like homogenous mechanism where it's only every stable coins back to the usd or pegged yeah. to the usd i, I just I, you know we're we're based in europe and, and the uk and we've got some people over in india we've got some people over in like all over the world and and being at voltoro um we have we have people working for us from all over the world too and they send invoices mm. and um uh, and so as more and more workforces are online, they want to invoice in their local currency because they know how much it is. So the standard focus on standard euro first, then standard USD, standard Indian rupee, standard, um, you know, ruble, shekel, Australian dollar, British pound, all of these will be coming out, um, excuse me, with this protocol. So um, it's, uh, but 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 how do we do this, how do we, peg the one s euro to one because at the end of the day it's just an erc 20 so how do we do that well what we're doing is we're launching the system through what's called an initial bonding curve offering and that's there's a complex term but what it basically means is that we uh, have a uh, have a smart contract and people will send this is the, the launch of the first stable coins people will send uh, Ethereum or Bitcoin into the smart contract, and for being first, for helping the the, the DAO build that liquidity by putting Bitcoin in, they get the first S euro at a discount. So um, the first S euro that will be released will be at eighty cents to the to the euro. So if you send in one hundred uh, uh, euros worth of Bitcoin or Ethereum, or uh, you'll get Um, 120 uh dollars. So, if you send in 100 worth of uh, you know, ETH or Bitcoin, you'll get in 120 dollars worth of uh, euros. So, Mm -hmm. S euro, yeah. So, as more and more liquidity comes in, this discount becomes less and less. So, the, the discount curve will become less and less as that pot fills up until it reaches a one to one. So, that's the very first step. So if you're any good in maths, you realize, well, that means you'll be under collateralized because you've given everybody a discount. Yeah. And that's true. So, so what, what do we do? The next step, now everyone's holding these newly minted S-Euro, they've just got it at a good deal. They've effectively made a 20% instant you know, gain. Uh, well, they've locked in 20% uh, profit at a certain time. As soon as that hits a one-to-one, That means they've locked that in. So Mm -hmm. they have to assume that it reaches one-to-one. And uh, obviously that's what we assume because we're working towards that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's the whole goal. Let's reach one-to-one. Now, while they're waiting for that to happen, we have the stage two of this. So first they put in, they get this discount. They've got the freshly minted S-euro. Stage two is bonding that, liquidity bonding. So what they would do is they get the fresh S-euro with some USDT and they put it into a, um, a Uniswap liquidity pool. Mm-hmm. And um, and in return for that, they get a bond that pays uh, a certain return, an APY, on, on that depending on how long the maturity of the bond is. So there's like 7-day, 30-day, 90-day or 360-day bonds. And the longer you bond for the the um the higher the yield is so um so so what that does is start to build out this liquidity pool and this helps bridge that gap that little gap that we have uh not being enough in the pool now this sounds all very complex but basically it's two steps one one is the discount curve offering and the next one is the bonding curve offering And with those two, what we've done is we've given the person that's come in really good rewards for participating and the protocol has built this amazing pool of liquidity. And this pool will be used to basically peg that the the first S-euro at one euro because there'll be a a pool set up that will always buy back and sell back at like a 100 basis point split from between a euro, um, so it'll be, nine in let's say 200 base points. 99 cents and one dollar one euro one cents and in the middle is the one right so so if anyone wants to ever get one euro back they just send it to this pool and we'll send them one euro worth of worth of ETH. and so that's really what pegs that and it becomes more of a hard peg um but when i say we i mean the protocol i mean the DAO. yeah um and, and this is this is only a small fraction this is just the launching event um as soon as that's done um, where as soon as we launch we're already starting to work on the private smart vaults and this is what i was talking before where people can then lock up funds and issue new s euro um or new s dollar or s indian rupee or anything else so mm-hmm. Um, it's about like building up that liquidity pool, which will basically be a stability pool. It's the thing that stabilizes the currency. It's the thing that is basically what, what makes a stable coin, right? Mm-hmm. What, what yeah, makes a stable it's- coin? It's the ability for you to always get one dollar, let's say it's spec to the dollar, one dollar worth of assets for your for your thing. So if you've got a one S USD. You want one dollar worth of Bitcoin or Ethereum or gold or anything else, and and that that will do it. So, so this is what pegs it: is the ability for people to come in, uh, help us build this build this stability pool, and for, in return they get a really great reward pretty instantly. Um, and this is what's attracting a lot of yield farmers right now to a, to the project. They're like, man, I can't wait for this to launch.
0: Yeah, so it's like an instant 20% right there that's just made. But what about the people that cash out that instant 20% and don't move on to the the liquidity bonding?
1: Yeah, so there's no point, like it's not really an instant 20%. What you are instantly locking in a future 20% because no one's going to be selling one S euro for 1 euro yet because Mm -hmm. where the initial bonding curve is selling at 80 cents, so why would you... Buy it off someone mm-hmm. for a dollar for a euro if you can get it for 80 cents. So we're not saying that this is a stable coin until that IBCO is over.
0: Okay. So All right. In
1: that initial phase, it the discount has to keep on getting less and less and less as more liquidity comes in until we reach the one-to-one peg.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: At that stage, it's it's now a stable coin uh, because we've reached, we filled up that pool, and that's yeah. it. Um but you have locked in effect because you've bought it. You've bought it at that price and you assume that it's going to reach a euro at some stage. Yeah. Um, so it is still a speculation.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you spend eight hundred dollars and then by the time it hits one to one, you have a thousand dollars. You've realized two hundred dollars profit was to keep you from just cashing out right then. Yeah. Nothing.
1: There's nothing okay. to keep you. And that, that's important that there's nothing. Um, but while that's happening we're hoping that people will bond uh, will put that s euro into a liquidity pool and mm-hmm. sell it to us sell back the euro for for a bond um okay. so it's almost a, an instant uh, because you're locking in a one euro value through that bond mechanism mm. um the bond has a maturity and it's paid out in the governance token yep. but it's it's uh it's a really great yield and, um, and this is why the yield farmers are so so excited about it. So, um, nevertheless, let's talk about the big vision. The big vision of the standards, once this process happens, um, the, the fact is that you want to then have some serious um, feature sets that we're building out, which is really, really interesting. So, one is... Now that we have this liquidity pool,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the, the system can offer 0% um, uh, loans because now that this liquidity pool is here, let's say you go, okay, I want to buy the new Supra. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's fresh out. It's got like automatic self-driving. It's awesome. So, so you, you lock it, you put some, you send some Ethereum into a smart vault. And you hold the keys to that smart vault. Nobody, Celsius, no one. We don't. No one has the key to this. Mm-hmm. You do. So you send some Ethereum in worth, I don't know, 20k because your super cost 10. You lock it. You generate $10, S dollar,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, and then you go and you go and uh, buy this. You know, exchange that for actual dollars and buy the buy the car. Now you have a loan that's 0% interest with no time limit that you have to pay it off in. Mm. The only thing you want to make sure is that the collateral doesn't start, like during a bear market, that the collateral starts to go down and down in value because the whole goal of the system is that there's always got to be more value locked up in these smart vaults around the world than there is stable coins floating around.
0: (laughs) Okay, so there's the the difference between this and like ave and urine finance is that there's zero interest once it's hits that sweet spot of 1 to 1 yes okay all right so that's yeah. really what makes the standard DAO and the, the dow just kind of stand apart from a lot of these others is that zero interest right and exactly. the, the elimination of usury
1: <laughs> yes the, the absolute elimination of it because now and, and the other thing is ave um people are putting uh, uh, pe- how Aave works, they don't mint new currency. Mm-hmm. They have two sides to it. They have the lenders, so the lenders will put money in, and the borrowers. The borrowers take money out, and they have to you know, pay interest, which will go back to the people that lent it. Whereas huh. with, the, with the standard, the standard mints new currency. Yeah. Out. So there's no one, and that's how the system either uh, expands and contracts. So interesting. So yeah. So so effectively, you have zero interest, and we're already getting people saying, "Oh my God, I'm going to pay off my mortgage as soon as this comes out because <laughs> I, I basically can cut my mortgage down to zero percent interest, and the inflation starts to pay off my debt."
0: Mm, wow. And this is yeah. how the
1: wealthy of folks, the the people that are listening at home, how do you make money? during inflationary cycles how have the wealthy always done it and the wealthy have always done it like this they've seen that massive inflation is coming they then go to their banker and this is something the the normal working class can never do because they didn't have enough leverage with the banks but they would go to the banks and say okay you're going to give me a loan uh on my collateral and you're going to give it to me at a certain percentage, at a fixed interest rate. And the bank goes, ooh, at a fixed interest rate, okay, well, we're going to give you this. And if the currency collapses, you're not going to reevaluate to the new valuation. You're always going to contractually stick to the valuation we're signing today. Mm. And so what happens, these people start buying up property everywhere at a fixed interest rate that will not get re-evaluated if the currency Mm. collapses now what happens is that you buy a house for a million dollars now and in 10 years time a million dollars buys you a carton of milk Mm. you've effectively bought 10 houses with 10 cartons of milk Mm. and farms and forestry and whatever else you can get your hands on rare assets And, and so So what you want to do, what what the standard does is allow people to then borrow money at 0% with no time limit. And and because it's maths, because you're you're using a smart contract, you're using mathematics, it doesn't matter how many guns you point at two plus two, it's always Mm -hmm. going to equal four. It's never going to equal five. So it doesn't matter what the state or anyone says to the smart contract, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. you put money in and all this smart contract wants is 1000 s euro back in to Mm. unlock your your collateral Mm. so so it means that you always have more value locked up than you've borrowed plus in 10 years time the collateral's gone up like crazy and the inflation is basically paying off your debt because now for me to go and earn the ten thousand I I needed uh, or I used for my Supra, um, I can just go and um, you know work a day because now inflation is, that's the daily wage. and, and well, it, it,
0: inflation is as a way to to rob the poor, you know. So, but by created by the banks and the governments. So, you're basically essentially using the weapon of the banks and the governments to your advantage against themselves. <laughs>
1: exactly that's the point and the unfortunate thing what i've if the the viewers at home are still understanding and with me on this and maybe they have to go back and listen to this interview a few times is to truly understand how how the system works and that's unfortunate because it's the technocratic class that are really taking advantage of the crypt of DeFi right now Mm. And yeah. that's really, really sad because it's the, the the normal people that aren't eating and breathing this stuff day in day out that don't understand it will miss out on a lot of these amazing deals that are happening right now. Uh, these it, it's amazing hard to learn.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like figuring out MetaMask wallets and private keys and and you know all that stuff is really difficult and and so in order to be truly innovative you have to learn the technology and again it comes back to that personal responsibility part but i want to and i feel like you want to help people learn how to use this you know because it is possible for for to not be rich and to participate in this democratization of finance that's going on to subvert the credit system that's happening and the inflation that's happening
1: absolutely it is absolutely it is but it does take time and and um, and it takes some brain cells rubbing together. But <laughs> once once you, can, once you can take that moment, take that time to sit down and learn, it means that you're investing that time into your future.
0: That's right.
1: And while, and, and I would say, look, shows like this and others are so important to this industry because there are so many scams out there. hmm and it's really important to learn what a scam looks like. And this is another problem that we've seen over the years is that governments have protected people. I'll put that in quotes as well. It's for so your own good. You're <laughs> own good, right? You have to be an accredited investor and all this sort of stuff oh. to even participate in, in things which is unfortunate because it's it's protected people so much that they don't they'll they'll, they'll see something on Twitter with Elon Musk saying send me one Bitcoin I send you two back yeah and they'll actually do it which is so ridiculous but it's it's I think a byproduct of being being cotton wooled into ridiculousness that that I, f- I feel like society like people to learn what a scam looks like unfortunately most people need to need to touch the candle before they understand what heat looks like, you know, feels like. And, and that's really unfortunate.
0: And my first $99 of Bitcoin I bought in 2018 was a scam. And <laughs> it's one of those websites where you could log into the dashboard and see your Bitcoin raise in value with, you know, of course I was never able to get it back, so. <laughs> Same, yeah, man. that was, was the like, first experience, man. Yeah. And I'm still here. Yeah.
1: Well, I tell you, you're, you're very, very... There's not many people like you because most people will then just never look back. It happened to a friend of mine. He lost, you know, a few thousand bucks on Mt. Gox, never went back and missed out on all of the gains that have happened since then And and because it just left a terrible taste in his mouth. And look, scams are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse because AI... And deep fakes are making it so easy um, oh, to yeah. fake fake people and cheat people because you can sound I can I can change my voice with some AI and make it sound exactly like Barack Obama, mm-hmm. uh, like exactly like um, anybody. And I mean, it's it's bad enough already. Especially the elderly, they get really preyed upon because they hear, oh look, it's my my uh, you know grandson called me out of the blue and. He's got Corona and 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 he's asking for money and and uh, yes, of course I'll send you the gift card worth that much money. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's really terrible. But I don't know where I mean, I'm sort of rambling here. But I'm saying like it shows that this is important because we need to understand when you get into crypto what what scams look like um, and the difference between. That. And unfortunately, I think one of the unfortunate parts of of crypto is that um bitcoin maximalists as well as certain people will just call everything a scam oh yeah they'll just say ethereum's a scam and then you're like well is it though because there's like hundreds and thousands of developers working on it and it doesn't seem like well if that's a scam then one coin they're calling one coin a scam so now nothing's a scam because everything's a scam yeah and so I think we need to stop using the word scam so loosely and actually really point out like OneCoin, like BitConnect, like some of these real scams which really defraudulated. Even Terra Luna, I think, was, I have to choose my words here right. (laughs) There's no proof here. But I would say that it was a financial experiment that I don't feel the people behind it knew as like they, they, maybe they did, maybe they did. But we've got to remember that when Marx came with communism, how do you experiment with an idea? Well, you have to like convince a government, the government uh, creates a geographical border, Mm -hmm. threatens people with guns and gulags and says, This is the new uh, uh, economic experiment. With crypto, it's voluntary. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of weird economic experiments happening that could absolutely and most probably will fail.
0: I'm glad you say that um, because I constantly say on this show, you know, the, the beauty about a DAO is to be able to experiment with all different types of governance and ways of doing things and rule structures without killing or pillaging anybody i mean you might lose some money but it's voluntary like you said so yeah <laughs>
1: yeah yeah, yeah. very well put absolutely well put and so it's yeah it's, it's really important to remember like do not do not invest the farm you know do, mm-hmm. do, do not put like take everything with a grain of salt but also learn about economic theory learn about stuff so if you read a white paper and it says that they're backing the currency with nothing but math have a look at have a look at what's happened over thousands of years has that ever happened before no what have they backed it with okay they've backed it with gold okay how does that work i oh, am yeah. okay so what we're doing very similar to the backing with gold we're backing with rare assets like this but <laughs> Sorry, all right. John. I'm jumping over the place, but it just reminded me of something else. No, that's the quite other all right. I'm glad
0: you feel comfortable enough to free flow it. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. So, with the with the, with the smart vaults, imagine you lock up some funds. Like, let's say, if you locked up a thousand, you've borrowed five hundred. Um, you've locked up the, this in the smart vault in the smart contract, and um, and let's say the price is tanking like crazy. All of a sudden, your collateral's worth. 600 but you borrowed 500 so you're almost at, at being liquidated what that means is that there's a whole bunch of vultures sitting around ready to buy your collateral mm-hmm. under market value and what they do is they take like in, in like i'll just go on with the s euro thing even though you've probably mm-hmm. got um, audience members from around the world but what they do is they take s euro and they throw it in this, throw it to the liquidation smart contract, which burns those, but then in return gives them the collateral. So now we've made sure we've, we've burnt some s that's worth more, uh, sorry, less than the, the, the collateral is coming. So, so there's always less s floating around than there is collateral in the space. Mm. Now they've, they've taken that to stop those liquidations happening. Um, we're doing multiple things. Like one thing is, let's say you borrowed all this money from yourself. You're, it was a bull market, you're going crazy, and now it's a bear market. You've just lost your job and you can't pay yourself back and you've got your your savings sitting in this smart vault and it's going down in value and you're going to get liquidated. First of all, I would say, well, for you to 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 have gotten the money in the first place, you would have had to sell that in any other – sort of used thing, right? But mm-hmm. rather than selling, you borrowed against it. So even if you get liquidated, you might have lost like a 15% difference mm-hmm. because the, you know, you can only borrow up to like 85% of that value. So yeah. even if you get liquidated, okay, you're 15% out. But you don't want to get liquidated. So what can we do about that? So what people can do is they can they can either add more collateral in so you don't get liquidated, but if they've lost their job or they don't want to do that, what can they do? So we have a uh, we're we're designing a little switch um, and, a, and a mechanism to basically trade the 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 value that's in there into tokenized gold. Huh. So so if you've got Bitcoin locked up and the Bitcoin's just tanking like crazy. Yeah. And it reaches a threshold, it'll automatically trade everything to tokenize gold. And gold, while it's while it, it does follow the markets, Bitcoin does this. Yeah. And gold might do this. So, you hope that by doing this, at least your collateral won't be liquidated because sitting in a in a rare, it's still a rare asset that's not controlled by a government. Um, and it, and it's and it's you know it's it's keeping its price. So that's one mechanism. The second mechanism is um, you can actually take your debt and you can say, "I can't pay it off. I've lost my job. There's more collateral in there um, that I would I would love, and I would love to save some of that um, value. So what I can do is sell that that um, that debt, that collateralized mm-hmm. debt position CDP in the old financial world, mm-hmm. um, as an NFT." So I can go open OpenSea and say, here's my debt. Does anyone want to buy it off of me? Yeah. Uh, because I can't afford to to get the collateral out, I don't have the fees. There's a thousand bucks owing and there's uh, one thousand two hundred bucks worth of collateral in there. Do you want to buy it for one thousand one hundred and you get an instant one thousand gain That means I get one hundred I get one thousand one hundred back plus, you know. And people that that way people can try to like regain some of their their uh, things before it gets liquidated.
0: Yeah, it's a win-win so it's, for the for the buyer and the seller right there. That,
1: yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's all these amazing tools that we're building into the standard to allow people full control of their debt at 0% interest, as well as being able to control what happens with that by selling the debt on. And, you know, the the, the legacy financial system, if they could do this, in the past, maybe we wouldn't have had the 2008 financial crisis because mm-hmm. effectively that's what they were as well. They were, they were also CDPs, they were also collateralized debt positions, but they were owned by the banks. So these were mortgage-backed securities stuck into stuck into contracts, not smart contracts, mm-hmm. but contracts. Then they were, the, the banks would like chop and change all this and repackage them and reevaluate them to A++ and, and send them <laughs> out. But you couldn't actually look into this contract that you're getting. You just know the yield is this, and it's got a a, a good rating from the rating yeah. agency. But you couldn't actually look through it. The guy in The Big Short, you know, the the, the drummer who's like mm-hmm. going nuts, he he had enough patience to really go through the paperwork and dig through thousands and thousands of rows of of excels and go something doesn't seem right here. But the normal person doesn't. Whereas with these smart contracts, imagine if all these could be NFTs, these debt positions could have been NFTs. You could have just run a computer program to go, what is in this? And they go, and, and collect everything up and see, oh yeah, look, uh, hardly any of this is getting paid back. The uh, yields are getting lower and lower. I think there's something mm-hmm. sketchy here. Yeah. So yeah, I think the future of finance is really, really interesting. And this is what we're building and this is what the crypto industry is building and it's regulated under maths by mm-hmm. mathematics. Which is the ultimate regulation? It's transparent more than any other financial institution could show because it's ultimately transparent. You can see on the blockchain is what this is made of, mm-hmm. and um, and so the, the, it's a really fascinating time. I'm I'm really really excited about what not only we're building but what DeFi is building uh, during this entire bear market. And um, and what will happen in the next five years is going to be extraordinary. And and we're up against some big gains. And I'd love to come back on the show and maybe talk about the dangers of CBDCs.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. That. I mean that that's a whole other can of worms as CBDCs. How the traditional tradfi system wants to regulate all this stuff that's going on. And that's a big hot yeah. topic right now with that interview um, between Eric Voorhees and SBF that just happened on the Bankless podcast. I mean, there's a lot of opinions right now flying around about that. So that would be amazing to have you back on to talk about that. I know that's an entire other at least hour <laughs> to talk about yeah. the regulations and CBDCs. I feel strong, super strongly about CBDCs. I hope they never, um, you know, come into actual working fruition. Um, I'm fighting yeah. with any little resources and means I have to help people be aware of the dangers of CBDCs. Yeah. So Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, it, we've gone hour and sixteen minutes. I I appreciate your time. Um, I got to get back to my day job, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the hose man is is you know, going to be blowing up my phone. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I've I've got to uh, um, also got to get back to it. But it's been a, it's been a wonderful pleasure, and I do absolutely uh, uh, look forward to coming back and 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 really discussing CBDCs at, at, at uh, length because. People need to be warned about what's coming. Uh, they need to understand that this isn't just a, and um, this isn't just some convenience thing. Because the road to hell is paved with convenience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, and so we're seeing already steps in the UK and in the states. The states are uh, releasing this uh, new Fed, smart mm-hmm. Fed, or something.
0: Fed coin,
1: yeah, Yeah. it's not Fed coin, but it's uh, It's it's a a real-time settlement um, thing within the Fed. Anyway, Uh, very, very dangerous, extremely dangerous, and we we can go into why that is uh, on another show for sure.
0: Yeah, Um, hold on, hang on the line for a little bit after after we close out. But uh, I want to let you know, I want you to take a time to tell people how they can reach you.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter um, at J Shigala. That's J S C I G A L A. So at J Shigala, um, and you can see all the socials on The um, Join up to the the waiting list there as well. For um, uh, we're giving away 1.45 million dollars worth of TST for people in the wait list that join the IBCO. So it's definitely worth to check it out and, uh, and get in on that. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's kind of it. Join, join the Twitter and you can read my ramblings and, uh, uh anarchic ph- philosophical.
0: <laughs> yeah. And your DMs are always open. You're super accessible. So yeah, i appreciate that. Yeah. A man of the people.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks man. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, thank you. Cheers, John. Thank you for making it to the end of this program. If you actually like this content, give a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more, just hit the subscribe button. I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version. Spotify specifically. If you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1. That's E-U-R-E-K-A John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. Thanks again.